latest edition of the Magic Hour here at the Forum Club inside the Athletic. Um, doors within doors within doors. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, uh, coming to you Sunday evening after the Lakers beat the Celtics. A really fun game at Staples Center. 114-112, the final score. Uh, and Andy, this is one of those games, like the Lakers have not, the, the big criticism has been they haven't won enough games like this against really good opponents or with teams with really good wings or whatever, like all, however you want to break it down. Sunday, they got one. Well, it wasn't elegant, but they got it. And I feel like psychologically, especially sort of with the Denver game on the other half of this before the all-star break, I feel like sort of psychologically, this was an important one. Yeah. It seemed like it afterwards. I mean, this is a team that you know, prides themselves, Brian, on keeping, you know, as the cliche goes, not too high, not too low. Even keel, Andy. Even keel. Um, Steady as she goes. Well, you know what they do, Brian, is they take it one game at one a time. One game at a time. Yeah, they they what they stay in the moment. They put one foot in front of the other while putting their pants on one leg at a time. They should also, by the way, individualize those actions because you could trip and fall. Yes. I mean, you should have the pants on <laughs> first, then take the steps forward. It's just safety reasons. It's a higher PER way to do it. But um, I mean, these guys have acknowledged that the the wins against Denver, the win against Boston, I guess even to a lesser degree, the win over Memphis, just in the sense that if you were projecting ahead to the playoffs, this is a team that they may face, even though I don't think anybody possibly thinks the Grizzlies could upset them. No. But it's still, um, it's an important game. You exactly. don't want to give a team like that confidence um, and so on and so on. You know, you still, if if you are, you know, obviously looking for either caveats or just issues uh, within this game, A, Kemba Walker did not play for the Celtics. Sure. And that is a big deal. B, you still saw, uh, they won a game um, against a team with excellent wings, but man, do uh, those yeah, excellent wings give you well, some trouble. Well, one of them at least. I, mean, I, I want to get, I, I want to get into that a little bit because it, it's a, on the one hand, there's so much about this, and this is where, you know, whether so much of this becomes results based because, you know, and, and Frank Vogel talked about this after the game Sunday, you know, it, it was a, a heavyweight fight and, you know, one play here and there and all of these things, which is true. Jason Tatum at 41 points, he was really good. He only had four in the fourth quarter. Um, so that makes a difference. In fact, Hayward. Uh, Jalen Brown and and uh, Tatum combined for nine points in the fourth. It was actually Marcus Smart who had 10 of his 14 in the fourth, in part because of the way they were defending Tatum, which we'll get into in a second. After the after the game, I know with talking with Frank, talking with guys in the locker room, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it felt like the narrative that we were all kind of going with the whole media was like, wow, you guys really locked down in the fourth because we were so focused on Tatum's four points after 37 through three. I got to be honest with you. I was shocked when I looked the fourth quarter box score and saw that the Celtics shot 53% in the fourth quarter. So they 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 locked up Tatum, but they didn't exactly lock down Boston. They had a couple really critical possessions where they forced turnovers and got baskets the other way. So what I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying like that number surprised well, me. Yeah, I mean they lock down, Brian, the guys who matter, though, because if Marcus Smart gets 10 points against you and that ultimately ends up how you Great. lose the game, fine, you can live with that. You have to. A, I mean, A, you have to live with it. And B, it's just that's not who Marcus Smart is. Exactly. No, I mean, I'm agreeing with that. That is how you do it. I mean, you know, if same way that, it, you know, another team is going to be like, OK, well, we lost to Contavious Caldwell Pope tonight. We locked up LeBron. We locked up and Avery Bradley scored 36. OK, what do you do? Take, that's not normally going to happen. So I agree with you there. 
it's just you know like there was just the 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 elegance the lakers shot like i think 38 39% 39% and i just sort of in my head because it wasn't really pretty for boston either assumed they were the same and they weren't and it just it surprised me yeah i mean they boston had seven turnovers in the fourth quarter the lakers really that's really what it was yeah they really cranked up the defense against the guys who can typically hurt them the most uh you know, both in terms of their skill set with Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, and Gordon Hayward, but also the type of players who typically mm-hmm. hurt them. And the Lakers also did a good job capitalizing on those turnovers. They had eight points off those seven. And in a tight game like this, every single one of those matter. No question. And, you know, they could have lost this game and, and taken a lot of the same lessons from it. They win. You know, you, you can overreact in both directions. The other directions. thing, by the way, too, I want to hit on this quickly because sure, it's something that I know that you've in particular touched on a lot during the course of the season. The Lakers got to the free throw line in the fourth quarter 17 times. Right, some of that is fouls at the end and whatever, is, but, but they got there, they got there more a than lot. normal. Right. And granted, they only shot 65% rounding up, but when you get there enough, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like Houston shooting threes. Like Houston's not an outstanding three point team, you know, in terms of percentage, but when you shoot that many, and, you know, can hit them at a reasonable clip, it just adds up after yeah, a while. Yeah, and so, you know, the Lakers, it's, it, it is funny. Like, you, it is so weird to watch teams desperate to inbound the ball in foul situations to their center. But, like, no, LeBron is the one inbounding the ball. Like, they, they want a guy who's careful with the ball passing, and they don't want necessarily LeBron taking the free throws. I mean, LeBron missed a critical one uh, in the fourth, you know, that could have put him up by three. Or was it? I forget exactly the sequence. Was that the one where they could have put him up by three, and then he didn't? They missed, made one of two, and, it, and then, but then the the miss ended up going out of bounds off Boston, right. which was probably his plan because LeBron is always thinking ahead. Yeah, um, four dimensional chess. So you know, just everything about this game was was fun. It was intense. They talked about it afterwards that, uh, that you know, the intense big thing- for a twelve thirty. Like a lot of times, players do not enjoy these well, matinees yeah. at all. And the Lakers got off to a good start, and which is unusual in these early in these early games, um, and and that obviously helped them help carry them through. The, Vogel talked about it. Uh, Kyle Kuzma talked about it. I'm sure they just talked about it a lot in the locker room. Um, it's not a team that's been in a lot of these situations, as Kuz put it. Like we kind of either play really well and blow teams out, or suck. Like there's not a lot of middle ground. I and I I could go back and look. There haven't been a ton of these games, Andy, that I can remember just off the top of my head where it's against a really good team down to the final minutes, down to the final possessions like it was Sunday against Boston. I'm sure there are a couple, but there aren't 12. There aren't 15 well, of these I'm, games. I'm looking up right now. Uh, their rec- you know, the expanded standings, like their record in uh, like five-point three game. point games. How many uh, of games have they played that are three-point games? That's what I'm looking up. They're five and two. So like what's normal? Look, uh, tell me, give me another team. Like how many? Give me just run down some teams. Denver here. is seven and three. Clippers nine, uh, eight and one. Uh, Rockets three and four. Um, so that's a semi-normal amount. Semi-normal. Of games, it's on the but, low end of semi. But it's also who who are, who are those games against? We have to go look them up. But they they haven't been against work. a lot of these losses that they have to these good teams have not been close. You know, so they're certainly not within three. And it's an interesting thing, like to think about. By the way, you want to know how a team is just killing it this season you want to know what the bucks record with three-point games like two and oh two and one yeah i mean <laughs> they're two and one i, I mean yeah they're just 
This is what's. This is really what. Did it you gets catch to. some of that game yesterday? Uh, the the Milwaukee? Sixers Milwaukee. No, I didn't. I caught some of it before it just ran away. And you know, granted, Ben Simmons got hurt, but even before that, and Tobias my, Harris got hurt. I mean, my, we, 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 God, Milwaukee's this good. Is, but this is what's funny about. Like, and I was we were I was talking about this with with somebody after or during the game. The it's weird. They, like the the Lakers, as we've talked, like it's getting hard to write about them because. They're the same. They've been the same since the third game of the season. Like everything about them that they're good at, they've been good at since the beginning. Their stuff they're bad at, they're still bad at. And nothing has really changed. And nothing's really going to change, even with the Markeith Morris thing, which we're going to get into here in a minute or two. Yet, without looking it up today, and it's going to shift a little bit by the end of the night, the Lakers have, and certainly into Monday, the Lakers have like a six game lead in the loss column on the teams that, cha- that are chasing them. So they have a huge lead with 20 whatever games left in the season. They're almost, you know, surely short of disaster going to finish as the number 1 seed. But they they're not dominant. They're not bulletproof in that sense whereas you look at Milwaukee and in basically every respect they're just kicking the crap out of people. Their point differential, their statistical dominance 12.4 Right. The next closest is the Lakers, is the Lakers at 7 something. 7.4. So right. Milwaukee has the Lakers almost double, double. and it should be noted 7.4 the Lakers have. That's really good. It's really good. That's really, really good. good. Yeah. It, but like but they, but they don't feel bulletproof. Like Milwaukee's like okay, if they do what they're supposed to do, I like there are a lot of good teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. But if they play the way they're supposed to play and they they have been playing and Giannis is Giannis, they're going to make the finals. You make all these moves in the East because guys get hurt. Chris Middleton turns an ankle, whatever it might be. Toronto's good enough to get there. Boston's good enough to get there. Philly, I still think, is good enough to get there. And all in the West, you don't look at the Lakers and say, well, they've got a huge lead. They're, the, they're going to be the number one seed. Just push them through to the finals. I think the Clippers could beat them, although they're starting to show some cracks. At least I'm, I'm like, or like, okay, at some point you got to gel. And then Denver's very good. You know, Utah is still potentially very good. Like, yeah, to you be know. clear, there are plenty of reasons to say the Lakers are going to the finals. Absolutely. There are plenty of reasons. It, it's There's plenty of reasons to think they I, I win the whole thing. You could you could make them a, you know, a plurality so to speak, you know, we're in election season. Like they could be the favorite to get there with sort of 35% of the vote, you know, like but the, there's that's what's Talk weird to me about after this South Carolina. Bro. That's I will after the Lakers play South Carolina. That's what's weird about this team and why it's hard why you fe- you feel hot takey when you say yeah but yeah but yeah but but there are a lot of yeah buts with this team while they're like yes they're the best team in the well, west and well, they could go and the, and the thing is too with the lakers and i know we've talked about this before brian like one of their weaknesses and it has been there this entire season and it showed even tonight against the celtics we were saying before is guarding athletic and or strong wings guys you know it could be anything from big twos to smaller fours and a lot of the teams that they will face along the way to getting a championship happen to have those type of players. So even though the Lakers, in certain ways, have matchups that all those other teams are going to have trouble going up against, the Lakers have a matchup issue that you could look at a bunch of teams across the league that they could play either in the West or play in the finals and go, yeah. okay, that so can give them a, trouble. There's a pattern of the teams that they've lost to. I just wanted like to and like I asked Dwight Howard this question and it came up like we the Lakers are not a versatile offensive team. 
I think it's fair to say. Would you agree? Yeah. Andy? Okay. Like in tonight, even or this afternoon, we saw you know Sunday afternoon we saw like when they 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 had some really they ran a lot more. It seemed to me LeBron AD pick and roll yes. than they had before, which is awesome. Yep. More please. Mm-hmm. But then also still got stuck in that hey. AD's being guarded by a short guy. Let's just back to the basket, dump it down the post, and those possessions never seem to end well. That's not his game. If they can do more of the, the former where they don't get kind of bogged down in we're tall, let's exploit the matchup kind of stuff, maybe the offense runs better in the fourth quarter, but they're, not, they're never going to be terribly versatile offensively. But I wonder- There's only so versatile you can be when you have- two guys that you consider reliable playmakers in LeBron and Rondo. Yeah. I mean, like and Rondo, Rondo played, played terrific played in this game. well Sunday, but, but I'm just saying like Rondo, if you want to be, you know, glass half full, you would say Rondo is, if nothing else, an established playmaker. It's, yes. it's what he does. There's nobody else on that roster that no. you look at and say, all right, that's what he does. So you're vers- only one of those guys is somebody anybody would feel really right. comfortable so, I mean, having so on the floor. Your, in the your versatility is only so strong, like as opposed to say, like the the Kobe Powell Lakers that you and I covered. There were a lot of guys yeah, on that team the, that you, you felt- run through the post with Powell. You could use Lamar. You could use you know, Kobe. I mean, Kobe. I mean, there were you know and there were there were always even options. a guy like Meta was an underrated passer. Yes, he was a good passer. And so with a, you know high high basketball IQ, make the right cut, make the right pass. I do wonder the. Giant thing that you mentioned before about, you know, just a six foot eight guy who guards Jason Tatum or guards Kawhi Leonard or whatever it might be. If we're sort of underrating a little bit their defensive versatility and the types of coverages that they can do, I'm not an expert like X and O's and whatever, but you, they, they, tr- they changed up what they were doing multiple yes, times they did. over the course of today. They've done. It was obvious enough in ways that you and I could You tell. and I, even we could see it. And, you know, what they tried against Houston, what they've done. Like it does seem like they have a lot of different looks that they can throw at people defensively because they, while the interchangeability I think can work against them on offense and in terms of lineup selection, which is another thing I want to I want to talk about uh, today. It, the the fact that they're like six guys who can kind of all do the same thing defensively gives you a lot of choices and bodies to throw at people and they whatever. have a lot of really smart defenders too. Very, they, they have a lot of guys who are Dwight. Up- AD, LeBron, Avery Bradley, Avery Bradley, KCP. I got to say, KCP has got to be one of the most annoying people in the league to be defended by. And I mean that as a like a, a 1000% compliment. Yeah. Like that must suck. Yeah. I mean, and my God, he's turned his season around. Yeah. And I mean, it's actually really cool to see. I know we talked about this before, you know, during his low period to begin the season. That guy is really well liked in the locker room because he works so right. bleeping hard. And Danny Green, if we didn't mention him, definitely a smart defender. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but like tonight on a night where Danny Green, for whatever reason, plus minus is plus minus, and you know, one game sample sizes and so on, uh, all warning labels attached. Danny Green was a minus sixteen, so he's not giving. He only had one bucket, one three, so he's not giving you a lot on that end. If he's not giving you, well, like they can fall into that struggling for whatever reason defensively in whatever sequences. KCP is, you know, a plus two. Rondo was a plus 15 tonight. Rondo was terrific in this Kuzma game. Kuzma was a plus 17. So like on Kuzma any actually given, also played pretty well. On any game. given night, like they can throw these different dudes out there with different coverages and maybe they want Kuzma because he's a little bulkier than Danny Green and because you have this guard back. So at least Vogel has choices in that regard. Or if Kuzma is keeping his head above water defensively. Making a way when he can. Temporarily, 
but easy prey to rip off. Sh- uh, by the way, uh, shout, shout out, out to, to Janet Dubois. Janet. Janet. Janet Dubois uh, played Wilona in Good Times. Friends called her Janet. I also found out too, reading about her, because I mean, I, I'm a massive Good Times fan. I but it was spelled Janet, wasn't it? Uh, it was J, little a, apostrophe, N-E-T. Okay, so that's that's a little like me uh, getting uh, flow riding confused. But, <laughs> Tell the story. But, I never get tired of the story. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so I'm driving <laughs> driving down the, the highway with my, with my wife, and I just kind of look up at a bill, billboard, and I look at my wife, and it says, "I says, <laughs> I said, who's Florida?" She's so embarrassed. I was like, but the hyphen was very small between Flo and Rida. But I, I did not realize um, that she was a, a big time theater presence, but she also, I think, was a either a founder or on the board or both with the uh, Pan-African Film Festival, uh, an arts festival in, in L.A. Very which cool. Which has been around a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. Um, she was really fun and, on that show. And wrote, I believe, and sang... The theme to the Jeffersons, moving on up. Get out. Yes. I did not know yes. that. So again, shout out to Because that is a jam. Yes, it is. She <laughs> um, was a really, really talented woman. Good for her. Um, well, cool. Yeah, I love that show. So anyway, uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> I mean, don't get me started on good times. No, but no. I'm kind of an idiot. What were we talking about before? You are. You're kind of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it, it is, it's always nice when we can add the savant part to anything. Yes. Because um, mostly- We were talking about uh, the defensive- Right. So I mean, I'm just wondering, like, because this is one of the things that I think is going to be difficult for the Lakers through the playoffs is how much of this is feel, like Vogel pushing the buttons and getting the right guy in there, and tonight the lineup seemed to work, and other nights you wonder, and because you, know, you don't know night to night which guy it's going to be. and he answered the question. I asked him a question after the game. He kind of answered it how I figured. It was like, I have, it's a good problem to have because I have confidence in all my guys and I can put the, and to some degree, I understand why. Um, but at the same time, it's, they're all sort of reliable and unreliable. Um, the, you, you can't say for sure. It's not like you're putting an all-star on the floor. And it's very easy to get that balance wrong. And in the playoffs, if you're wrong for three minutes, you could lose the game. Um, I, I think that's going to be a really tough challenge for Vogel throughout the playoffs is which lineup tonight. Caruso, who all we did was talk about Caruso on Friday, Andy, because he was like plus 93 in four and a half minutes or whatever, you know, like 20 minutes. And he was a plus minus monster play eight minutes tonight. Yeah. I mean, I think some of that it's was just, criticism, right? I think some of that was Rondo playing really well. And we, and we've no seen, we've seen this year. When Rondo plays well, Vogel likes to keep him on the court. I think, A, he, he said he's a, he's a veteran. He trusts him. And, you know, this is something I know it will annoy a lot of fans, but coaches trust veterans. And particularly if they are decorated veterans like yes, uh, coaches, GMs, everybody like, yes. there's a reason. There's a reason Ned Coletti traded for Marlon Anderson every year for 14 straight <laughs> yes, years. Yes, we covered those Dodgers Every teams. year. Um, but, you know, he, he trusts Rondo. But also, I think, too, he... There, you know, there's politics with Rondo. I think there's the idea of, you know, if it's going well with Rondo, frankly, I want to milk it. Yes. Because I don't, you know. Because when, it he pra- like, when he it's good Vogel, with Rondo, it's like, right. hey, this right. is kind of cool. And, and and this was one of those games. Yes. Like from the beginning, Rondo was terrific. Uh, Andy, though, before we move on, I want to take a moment to tell you more about the great things going on here at The Athletic, you and everyone else. The Athletic is home to 400 of the best sports writers out there covering every major team 
in every major league in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. That's how I'm learning about all the Premier League stuff uh, as my kids get more into soccer. Uh, Simply put, Andy, the access to the inside scoop, the experience covering teams and leagues and the storytelling capacity that we have, we have the best sports newsroom on the planet, but you don't have to take our word for it. You can see for yourself by signing up for a free trial. Head to theathletic.com backslash the forum club to save 40% on an annual subscription. That works out to $3 a month for total access to some of the best sports coverage in the world. What are you waiting for? That's theathletic.com backslash the forum club to save 40% best sports writing, best newsroom on the planet. They're so weird and they're, they're really hard to write about, but they're super fun to watch and, and very, they're, they're fascinating. Yeah. But the, just like the payoff for all of this isn't going to be here uh, for another few weeks. But I do think, I mean, the, some of the suspense even in the number one seed is going to go. And I think it's a, a huge benefit for the Lakers to finish there. I think they understand that. If, uh, and we talked about that in the last podcast. Yeah, just, it's not even, not at home court. It's about who you play. Yeah. And path. also just taking it from those teams yeah. that all need it more than you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, the only know, team Dallas, there. Utah, you know, Denver, Utah. Yeah. I mean, the only like place that. they're not going to get get it would be Milwaukee in the finals. I mean, you know, or at least a high likelihood. I mean, they're not going to catch Milwaukee. No. Um, but, you know, just about just get, let's every- Baby step. Let's get through the conference as they sure, say. Sure, but I'm just saying, like, just about every team in the East, uh, they are well-paced against to have home court against in the finals, except Milwaukee. And again, it's a moot point at this by yeah. now. Um, all right. So, anything else on this stuff? You want to move on to- uh- the big transaction today? Um, I mean, just looking forward to Tuesday's game as well. Oh, right. Against the Pelicans. Yeah, the Pellies. Um, with Zion. With, right, with Zion. Have, they have not, they've been here once this year. Yeah. Yeah, they were here earlier in the year. So we've done the welcome back, Brandon, welcome back, Lonzo, Lonzo thing. You actually brought up something interesting today. Like, what would have happened if the Lakers had taken Tatum instead of Lonzo? And setting aside, like, imagine what the Lakers would be. Setting aside for the, his trajectory would be different. All that's a, the short answer is Jason Tatum would be a pelican right now. Maybe. And now we would be talking about but, what it looks like to have Zion Williamson and Jason Tatum, possibly with Brandon Ingram, all playing maybe, together but, on the I mean, Pelicans. But the flip side is maybe you get to keep Brandon Ingram. I mean, maybe. again, there's, there's salary cap like, issues and sure, things like but that. But just like, like how, like, because there's a 0% chance if Tatum is developing the way that he is, and you still want to trade Anthony Davis if the Pelicans don't demand. Jason right, Tatum. But, but you maybe get the option. Maybe you get to keep uh, Ingram. I Ingram mean, or Lonzo, right. I guess. I mean, you, you get the it's option. It's been pretty good the last yeah, but month I, or two. I, the reason I brought that up with Tatum, outside of the idea of just like, man, it would be great to still have him on the Lakers. And, you know, and from the beginning, you know, Well, Lonzo's no, you can't keep Lonzo because you have Tatum. But anyway, you understand my point. You can maybe keep Hart. Uh, no, no, I meant just I'm like. Just, I, I'm correcting myself from the sure. thing I just said. Right. Um, like. Beyond the idea of just that, you know, from the beginning, you know, their their uh, rookie seasons, it looked like the Lakers had made a mistake, you know, overall with Tatum versus Lonzo, even acknowledging you and, and you and I have both right, that really, Lonzo could turn into a good player. And you Jason and I both, Tatum's better, right? And you and I have, you know, been I think pretty appreciative of the things that Lonzo does really sure. well, but he's Jason not Tatum's Jason Tatum. better. But you know, it, you perhaps get the ability to make somebody you know, more untouchable. Like you choose between Tatum or Ingram. Right. You don't if get you, or you don't get all the draft picks or right. you don't exactly. get Josh Hart or exactly. you know, like, you know, it is kind of a, there's a fascinating sliding doors thing that the thing that's worth, uh, that's fun to, to a fun rabbit hole to jump down. But anyway, those guys have been back, but not with Zion. 
And uh, the Pelicans actually have a much better. They still are a sort of analytical favorite to make it into the eight spot, um, or at least they have a better chance than you would think for a team with their record. Um, and that gets better now that Jaron Jackson Jr. is hurt, could be out for a few weeks with Memphis. He hurt, actually got hurt in the game on Friday against the Lakers. So that's Tuesday. Uh, I I am excited about yes. that game because I want to watch yes. Zion. I don't know. Sometimes I will sit in the in the media room and kind of watch because he's easier to watch replays and things like that and um, follow the game that way. And I can do do some other things and, and all that, whatever. I will be in the seats because certain guys you need to see move up and down the floor. Damn right. It doesn't work. It was on like TV. Ja. Ja yeah. Morant on Friday. You want to see that. I want to watch live. that. I remember early on, you and I, you know, even even with games that we didn't necessarily have to be there when LeBron was like a rookie or second year. Like, well, you show up because you, you want to be there. He does. Certain guys don't translate to television. And LeBron is still one of those. Dudes. I mean, we used to talk about that covering Kobe. We're like, you know, as great as Kobe looks on TV, there are things that you're going to miss with Kobe if you're not in the building. It just looks, it, everything looks easier on television. It just looks more naturally. You don't see like, bleep, that was, that was ex- explosive and amazing and unusual. Yeah. Um, anyway, so but the, so the Tuesday's game is going to be a ton of fun. The Lakers entering into a, a tricky, they have a tricky bunch of tricky games coming up and against teams that, you know, good Western Conference teams. So we'll get a good answer to this, uh, you know, can they beat good teams thing pretty quickly. Um, let's talk about Markeith Morris. He is officially a Laker. The Lakers announced Sunday night that they have signed uh, the former Piston um, and uh, released DeMarcus Cousins, which is the sort of natural thing to do. It's kind of talked up the idea that maybe Cousins plays a little bit this year, and obviously he's been super popular and everybody loves the guy, but if your choices are releasing Troy Daniels, who certainly has some utility as a player who can get on the floor, like literally, uh, versus a guy who is not going to play a second for you this year, you keep the player. Yeah, I mean, and beyond the fact that, you know, Troy Daniels or, you know, I guess Quinn Cook, I didn't think he was ever really unsafe, but you know, those guys represent live bodies for you. The truth is there really was nowhere to play cousins. Like, I mean, you would really It'd have to hard. shoehorn that guy in. And to do because, that. Because in- Dwight, Dwight and JaVale are both playing too well to lose, to reduce their minutes. Um, you know, LeBron will spend some time at the four. DeMarcus uh, can't really play the four defensively. And Anthony Davis's minutes are only going to go right. up. It's just like, the, in, in to do, it's one thing if you get him back in January, February right. or whatever. To try to figure that out in March and April and into May. I mean, like, honestly, you can't do if, that. if you were going to put DeMarcus on the floor, you would wonder if, okay, are things going bad? Like, do you feel like you need to do this? Like, it you're just, actually it looking just was, for something? It's too late in the season to try to integrate somebody that important. Um, so it, 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 it was the natural move. The question really becomes sort of like, what does Morris do? And I have come to the conclusion, Andy. That basically what he is, is a guy who is just sort of You just better, took off your glasses when you said this. Like you were about to make a very- Very professorial. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Are you going to chew on the uh, end of him after might, you make this point? I might. Um, I also have a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you look, Brian, very serious when you did this. I, I like, don't always- It's just Markeith Morris, I don't Morris, always man. take a tweed jacket with shoulder patches or elbow patches and put them on. Like- but now I, I, I was really getting ready for some knowledge, man. I basically, I think they just sort of feel like, okay, is he better than some players who sometimes play in our rotation? 
And the answer is yes. And so therefore he makes us a little bit better. He does certainly doesn't solve the ball handling guard behind LeBron. He problem. actually, Brian, solves none <laughs> of the pressing issues the Lakers have. Like not nearly to the degree that Marcus Morris, who the Marcus Lakers would wanted to trade for. Better defender. He's a better defender, but he's also a more hotter versatile three point defender. shooter, more versatile defender. Yeah, I mean like scorer, I mean you, player. you could argue that while Markeith Morris you know brings some talent to the mix. He really addresses suck. No, but I'm just saying he addresses really none of the problem areas of this team. Right. I mean, he he could help them as another potential shooter, but he's, he's not a guy. I mean, I guess the the shooting, he puts the, he's not a guy who's going to like put the ball. He's he's a a stand outside spot up kind of guy. And defensively, he's not a guy who you're going to stick on Kawhi. He's six, eight or whatever he is, but I mean, like. He's defensively somebody that you but you're hope not gonna doesn't like, screw you right, up. But you're not going to put him on one of those dudes. He's not nearly as good a defender as uh, Marcus. So, I mean, it's not a bad thing. No, that they I, I'm not saying but, it's a bad I, thing at all. I, but I, here's the, my bigger question. I wonder, like, if Harkless becomes available, and we got it like four or five days before he have to get bought out by the, uh, the Knicks, Lakers could sign him whenever. You know, the, all that matters is that you're bought out by March 1st. They'll go they're they're not they're not done. Like if if Harkless became available, they would cut Daniels and sign Harkless, assuming they could. Right? Like yeah. this isn't this isn't like, well, we just didn't want to wait for Harkless to make a decision. We either, don't want Markeith to go somewhere well, either else. That or you cut Markeith. One or the other. You could. I mean, it'd be one of the other guys. I mean, Mo, Mo Harkless would, I Actually think, does solve. Yes, Mo Harkless would directly help them more. The indications seem to be that he's going to stay with the Knicks. He's a New York native, played at St. John's. I guess uh, the power of nostalgia. He likes is, it there. Is, I mean- It's weird. It's like- it's, The heart it's wants a, what it wants, man. It's a strange kind of basketball Stockholm syndrome. It's yes. Like, it's- The Knicks are like- the door's open, man. You can go. We'll, we'll, he's like, no, I'm cool. I mean, look, the, the opportunity- He hasn't even had that much time to fall in love with his captor. The opportunity to get you know a team its 21st win. I mean, you can't pass that up. Legend. <laughs> New York legend. So like the, the, the short answer is I, I'm not entirely sure how they're going to use him. I don't know whose minutes he's going to eat into. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have a clear picture of what Markeith Morris looks like as a Laker, in part because- Marcus has been a more prominent player and a more uh, relevant player over the last year Which is year interesting because it began as the reverse. Right. And so I, 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 I'm not trying to like waffle here. I just, I got to see what they're planning on doing. The one thing I'm comfortable in saying is like, this isn't the point counterpoint that I think most Lakers fans would have want for Houston picking up Robert Covington or, you know, the Clippers getting Marcus Morris. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, Reggie Jackson and, and stuff like that. This I mean, isn't, I'm really, I'm meh. This isn't Reggie that. Jackson, but Reg- I understand your point. Reggie Jackson would have helped the point. Lakers more than he's going to help the Clippers, though. Uh, either way, though, it is delightful that Marcus and Markeith are in the same city, apparently going to live in the same, the same house, house and, and may potentially car- commute to the right. same Western Conference finals. Marcus was talking about how games where they play against each other, they're going to carpool. You know what they are? Going green. <laughs> well, no, it's just. It's very LA. It's not even that. If they man. metro together, I'll be really impressed. It's not even that. It's the more I do everything together, they have the same tattoos. They want shared like a That's contract like a and account. a bank right. account. Like they do everything together. If if they wanted to break Twitter, those guys need to set up a bunk bed 
and take a picture of themselves in the respective pajamas of their new team. Oh, that'd be fun. That would be amazing. It's like, it's a, it's a, the whole thing is a bad 80s sitcom. Oh, it is. It's such a bad 80s Maybe Janae Dubois should write the theme to that one, too. Mm. Maybe I mean, she could have done that. Like, it's... Oh, like, you, you, if you had pitched this in 1987... For some type of sitcom, it would have made it would have made air. Twin brothers on opposite <laughs> teams. <laughs> it's it's what? It's so wonderfully ridiculous. Yeah, I all you love need it. Is like a like a like an alien or like a, a sassy butler. Oh, it's, it's you're ready to go. It's fantastic. I God, I, I miss eighties sitcom pitches. Yeah, or just I, he's eight- an alien life form. Who always wants to eat the family cat and go? There is okay. the The book Permanent Midnight, which was written by Jerry Stahl, um, who uh, he had a a bad heroin problem while he was working in Hollywood. Is there such a thing as a good <laughs> heroin problem? Well, I mean, there's degree. The, ba- the bad part feels there are degrees of bad though. That's Brian, true. And, and his was it was real bad. His was really bad. Uh, Even people they, with regular heroin problems were like, dude. Yeah. Um. They they made a movie out of it, but the, the book is really good. But there's this hilarious part in it where Jerry Stahl talks about his first writing job was on Alf. Alf. And he got the opportunity to write a spec script and he had no idea what the hell a spec script was even supposed to look like or how you do it. So he ended up writing this thing that would have been like somewhere like <laughs> around two hours where Alf basically has this existential crisis of realizing that he's an alien on a different planet. And like, what does it all mean? <laughs> and he ended up getting the job. Then like later he got hired for that show Sybil with Sybil Shepard. And like there was some type of, I guess, writer's meeting at her, at her house and he just started jonesing for heroin so badly that he went into her bathroom, shot up, but did it poorly. So it like splattered all <laughs> over her bathroom. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm with that clearly, bathroom that had that Sybil Shepherd soft lighting. lighting. <laughs> he's like, you know, I'm clearly, I'm, I'm done in this industry now. <laughs> and of course, like he kept moving upward, yeah. <laughs> like even though like this drug problem kept getting worse and worse. But yes, yeah. Alf, Alf was emblematic go, of everything. If for people who aren't, say, us, go Google, you know, YouTube Alf and just remember that this was a show on television. A hit. It was a massive hit. <laughs> a hit show. A massive hit. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the world we lived in. Anyway, uh, all right, so uh, Monday. Well, here, really quick, though, real uh, quick. With, with Markeith Morris in terms oh. of the impact. I thought you had one more point to make about Alf. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, it will be interesting to see, I think, in particular, how this affects Kuzma. And there were reports that the plan with Markeith, you know, as now the backup four, and that's apparently what the Lakers uh, sold him on. I believe it was Sh- uh, Shams who uh, reported this. They plan to use Kuzma more at the wing. And the results with that last year were good. They were spotty. Um, we Particularly s- defensively. Wet, right. Um, although this season, We've seen instances where Kuzma has done well guarding, you know, guards, guarding wings, at least at times. He had, a, he had Sorry, a, some just, possessions against it, Westbrook, he, it helps, some against Harden. Right. It helps that he's got so much more structure around him. I, well, what I think is interesting, though, is and I actually asked not directly in terms of Markeith because it hadn't been officially announced yet that Markeith was going to be part of the team. And I knew these guys just would deflect. But I asked Kuzma uh, about his comfort level 
playing as a wing, you know, on both sides of the ball. And he said he actually sees himself well, as a wing. He is, right. Like that he actually considers himself more of a three than a four. And Frank Vogel said that he actually thinks defensively there can be some areas where this helps Kuzma because I- instead of sometimes getting body or overwhelmed uh, physically, he can actually impose a little bit more. We'll see how it goes, but I mean, ultimately, he's going to have to show that that uh, he I wonder deserves if this that is a little time. Bit of, I wonder if maybe that's part of their thinking too. Is a Marquise Morris is better than some guys we have? It doesn't hurt to have him on the team, um, but also too, it's sort of like pre-trade deadline coups. Like that guy had a little extra hop to him. Hey, this guy who might steal your minutes. Well, but look, Kuz, he, he's going to pretty good. Here's the thing, though, he's going to have to justify his worth at the wing because, by and large. KCP, or if you want to slide down a little bit yes. more, Caruso, they've played too well to take off the floor because you brought in Markeith Morris and you have to accommodate Kuzma. And I mean, look. So that's, I mean, I'm the, actually going to be justific- writing about this. The justification thing is important because, like, it's not like Alex Caruso hasn't justified his minutes. He played eight minutes on Sunday. Right. Like, they, they come and go. Yes. So you got you to you earn them. Um, it, it will, I'm curious to see what it looks like Tuesday, how much he'll play, how much he plays going forward. Um, and what it does, um, it doesn't hurt them. It's, no. it's a no harm, no foul signing, but I'm just, and again, I don't think anybody knows how the much the potential for hijinks yeah. are through the roof. That's right. If the Clippers lose early, like what if the Clippers are upset in the second round, like Denver beats them, we could totally see a scenario where they just let Marcus play for Marquise. Oh, I, I already suggested that Mar- on Twitter. Marquise goes to like the Bahamas for a few weeks. Pull the switcheroo, you get them both no, rings. Andy, you didn't suggest pulling the switcheroo, and I love the switcheroo, but there's only one thing better than the switcheroo, and that's the old switcheroo. Well, I did suggest the old switcheroo. I know, but like here. No, but I phrased Twitter, it as. On Twitter, you phrase it as the old switcheroo. Just now, you just called it a switcheroo. Okay. And that's not as good. Right. This would qualify as the old switcheroo. <laughs> I see I see where you, I, you know I, what I'm saying? Like I, don't limit yourself. That's fine. I just want a credit. That's yeah. all. I no, just I, want a credit for my The genius. switcheroo is great. Yes. The old switcheroo is even better. <laughs> this would be the old switcheroo. Guys, I just imagine Rob Palenka walking into the into the coach's office. I got a plan. What is it, Rob? Pull the old switcheroo. All right, let's do it. Yeah. My team is on the floor. Um, it's right up there with the picket fence. Anyway, uh, we will be back Monday. So we got this podcast this week. We're also going to come to you uh, quickly after the Kobe Memorial Monday afternoon at Staples. Uh, we'll see everybody next time. Thanks. <laughs>